What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham to talk about Celtics Media Day. We're going to have reactions on a whole lot of stuff. we got a, a lengthy lightning round that we're going to get to after we cover what I think was pretty clearly the dominant story of the day, which is appropriate because it's also been kind of the dominant story of the last two years, vaccines and COVID-19. Let's get into it. I don't know what I expected. You know, I knew that there were a bunch of Celtics players who were very hesitant. And I knew that the players union has been making. And I mean, listen, you are not going to find a more union positive person than me. But I also knew that the NBA players union had been pushing very hard against anything like a vaccine mandate, you know, calling it a non-starter. It sounds like every anti-vax person in the NBA is winning whatever fight they want to win. So I don't know exactly what I expected, but I was pretty disappointed by, I think, every response to any question about the COVID-19 vaccine, except for like Brad Ennis and Ime Udoka. I mean, even their responses, though, like were pretty hedged. Like I would say Ennis definitely dialed it back compared to what he was saying in the Rolling Stone article. And Brad Stevens and Ime Udoka both said, like, ultimately, it's a personal decision. But the problem with the Players Association not mandating it, it really handcuffs what Brad and Ime can say, because they can't say, yeah, everybody needs to get vaccinated. They can't really take a hard stance, because then if anything happens with that player and their playing time or their contract or anything, they have grounds to, like, maybe file a dispute or argue that their vaccination status played a factor in whatever ensued. So I would hope that Brad Stevens and Ime Udoka have stronger stances, honestly, than what they were offering, because I think saying like, well, you just got to let them do their research. Like, mm, no, especially after a season Like, obviously, a disclaimer here is that, like, the health-related reasons to get a vaccine are the primary reasons why you should get a vaccine, because as clear by the past two years, this virus has been devastating across the country. I think, like, one in 500 people have died from it. But just from a pure competitive advantage standpoint, the Celtics had the most COVID-related absences last year. Like, they know how catastrophic these types of absences can be to your team and what you're trying to do. And, like, any sort of playoff run, let alone championship championship run like that's why it's I think extremely disappointing whenever you hear players deciding not to get the vaccine obviously again health should come first but like if you came from a team that like saw the consequences and experienced that firsthand like I just don't get why you wouldn't do it one because vaccines are proven to work but two just for like the sake of your team and like your job and the season I think disappointing is the right word to use for it because disappointing comes in into mind for me one just for like the environment you're in, you're around people who are going home, you know, they're going home to families with kids and stuff like that, where you are well aware of the dangers that you're putting them in like that in itself bothers me to another level. You have plenty of these guys who they watched what players like Carl Anthony Towns went through in the last year and stuff. And then they're basically looking that in the face and saying, well, I'm going to do like my, that it really does bother me quite a bit. And I think it should bother some of the guys who are vaccinated and who are kind of watching this unfold. If I'm a player who is vaccinated and say, I have a kid or something like that, like Jason Tatum, and there's these guys in my locker room who are not, that's going to piss me off. I don't know if it pisses him off. It didn't seem like it did. And maybe some of that has to do with guys like Bradley Beal who are close to him who are not vaccinated. I'm not really sure. But real quick to go back to what you were saying before we stated that stuff, the CBA stuff, I think is a major reason why there's that hedging because guys are so handcuffed. Like you see these articles like Baxter Holmes wrote an article about the growing tension throughout the league. It's all anonymous sources. No one's going to talk on the record about this stuff freely because they're very handcuffed. And I think it all comes back to the CBA related stuff. 
Like, I get that, and it's I still find it very disappointing. It's why I'm not going to harp on somebody like, necessarily why I'm not going to harp on somebody like Marcus Smart for saying, you know, I respect both sides. You know, it's like... No, players can say it. Players have no jurisdiction over whether another player makes the team or not. Like, players can freely say whatever they want about the vaccine. It's just the coaches and executives that obviously can't have a hard stance because that then relates to the player's employment. Players can say whatever they want. Like, I thought Marcus Smart's statement was very disappointing and he easily could have said something way stronger. And what Smart said was I chose to get vaccinated quite frankly because I didn't feel like dealing with the BS but that was my decision and I stand with anybody who makes their own decision. And then he goes into this whole thing about like there's like he basically vilifies the league for making it hard on people who are unvaccinated. And it's just like you couldn't hit a worse tone. It's awful. You know, I thought Tatum kind of did the same thing. You know, basically said the same thing like I made this decision for me but you have to respect what everybody else does. And I'm just like, no, you don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Like, I don't. And, you know, this this idea that it's like, well, it's all a personal decision. It, it really misses, you know, half of the importance of the COVID vaccine, which is like, you know, protecting other people. It's it's not just a personal decision at this point. And, you know, I, I, I found that really disappointing. I, I thought I was, you know, I'm disappointed that like, you know, Jalen Brown was like, I have my own thoughts about it, but I respect my teammates decisions about it. I mean, it really up and down the roster. There was not a single answer today that I was like, oh, that was good. Like, yeah, it, it, just a bunch of people who I felt like were hedging way too hard or missing the mark entirely and we'll get into them in a minute and I think the players hedging is just purely because they either genuinely believe it or because they're trying to diffuse any possible tension NBA teams are small especially compared to like NFL rosters they have 15 on the active roster and then two two two-way guys like when Ennis Cantor says several players are unvaccinated, like it's very easy to reach 100%. And that's why you see way more NBA teams. I mean, nothing will top the NHL, which is almost at 100% across the league. But I think in the NFL, there are still only two teams that are 100% vaccinated because it's just so difficult. But the NBA has like several teams that are fully vaccinated. And so when the Celtics stick out as one of them that aren't, you've got to worry about the tension that could potentially happen between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated, because this is a serious issue that has real life consequences that tone that smart and tatum used and stuff kind of just almost covering their bases in a sense i think is in an effort to alleviate any potential tension and that was not just with celtics media day that was up and down the league and it's a tough tough place for the league to like the league is in a bad spot right now if all the players across the board are just kind of it's almost like because nicole like you said they don't have any cba related things that are tying them down they can speak however freely they want they hold all the cards here but it's very clear that even the vaccinated players don't want to ruffle any feathers they want to keep it as even keeled as possible regardless of what they actually believe i don't think anyone is really going to come out and say truly what they're thinking just in an effort to not start any tension. And it's such a shame because I think early on in the pandemic, you know, there was so much of like, hey, like, you know, the, the athletes are speaking out, you know, this is good stuff. Like people listen to these guys. And now it's like, yeah, people listen to these guys. All of a sudden it's like, I don't know how good that is at this stage. And that, you know, can, I think, bring us into what I think is one of the most really disappointing moments of this, which is like, On the Geno Time podcast, we have spent a lot of time defending Kyrie Irving. You know, I think Celtics fans especially have, you know, really, really harped on him for for things that I think we all thought were dumb to harp on him for. I mean, and then you get to vaccines and it's like, I I, like, I don't know how much farther I can defend Kyrie because, 
now it's this idea of like, well, I'm doing my own research. And if you actually did any research at all on the COVID-19 vaccine, any research, incidentally, that the NBA is happy to provide for you. If you're Kyrie Irving and you could get a one-on-one with, you know, like if you really don't believe Dr. Fauci, sit down with him. You could get a sit down with Dr. Fauci anytime you want. You know, that's not what Kyrie is interested in. I know I just keep harping back on the word disappointing, but I, it's, you know, it was a rough day from, from that perspective. At least in the NFL, you have like Russell Wilson going on NBC and doing an hour long special, like trying to convince people to get the vaccine. You have Baker Mayfield coming out and saying like, look, I'm telling everyone that we should get the vaccine because it's a competitive advantage. And yeah, maybe that logic is twisted, but whatever it takes at this point. But it appears at least at Celtics media today, nobody advocated for that at all. Like even from the competitive standpoint, like nobody acknowledged the competitive disadvantage this puts the Celtics at. Nobody Besides Brad, yeah. And it is such a, twisted as it might be, it is a blatant competitive advantage if you have a team that is 100% vaccinated compared to the Celtics who potentially have like, I don't know, less than 10 people vaccinated or something like that. That's a competitive disadvantage for the Celtics. It's very, very clear. And the resources are plenty for them to truly go in and research and find out as much as they want to know about this. Like Ime Udoka said that the team has been vigorously educated on the benefits of the vaccination. I have no doubt. That rigorously, teams, rigorously, rigorously. I have no doubt that that's the case with most teams. Joe Lacob has a master's in epidemiology. I'm sure he is trying to talk to Wiggins about the benefits of a vaccine. And like, I just, I don't know the end goal here with someone like Kyrie and stuff when he's videotaping his thing on Instagram live. And after every question about the vaccine begins, he turns, looks at his phone camera and smirks and kind of chuckles and then looks back. And then when it ends, he picks up the phone and is like, I don't want to cause any drama or any, like stir up anything. I'm just here to like show you guys how fun this is. And it just like hangs up. It's like, what are we really doing here? It's realistically dangerous. The wild part about Wiggins and Kyrie is that they can't even play home games because of their city's policies. I almost feel bad that the coaches and executives can't be like, all right, we're cutting you or you're getting released or you're getting traded because why are we paying you if you can't even play in half of our games this season or you're going to present a risk to other people on this team? You are a liability. I almost feel bad for the coaches and executives at this point, the fact that they can't have any sort of action because I'm sure like, especially for the fringe guys, I don't know again, who those are like, I'm sure Kyrie, the Nets wouldn't cut Kyrie Irving, even if they could, because just of who he is and like what he means to their franchise at this point. And what he means to KD and what he means to James Harden. Yeah, exactly. But like fringe guys, like 14th, 15th man's like, I'm sure this team would just happily get rid of them at this point. Well, and that's, you know, that's what somebody asked Jabari Parker about today. And, you know, Jabari just kind of like smirked his way through the answer, through the question. And then, you know, which is, which is an uncomfortable situation for everybody to be in. But it's like, well, look, Jabari, you're not that good, dude. Like whatever presence you bring to this team is not worth, you know, if, if you're unvaccinated, like, I mean, the first question I would have for Garrison Matthews is, are you vaccinated? All right, dog, you made it. Like, congrats. Like competitive advantage. Like you said, it's, it's twisted, but it, it's a hundred percent true. And if you're at the back end of a roster, you are the fill-in guy for when yeah. someone potentially gets COVID or an unvaccinated player has to sit out. So what's the point of having you at the end of the bench right now if you're not as durable as the other guy? Like, what are we doing here, you know? And it sounds twisted, but from a competitive advantage standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. 
Josh Richardson was asked about it. He obviously had some anti-vax stuff on social media over the summer. He gave a, a very disappointing answer. A bunch of guys weren't asked about it. So it again, we can't really like say like, okay, this guy for sure is vaccinated or not vaccinated, but we're going to know probably right away, right? Like, because the first game of the season is at Madison Square Garden. We're going to have a pretty good idea. I don't think we're going to know, actually, because I think there are exemptions for visiting players. Which is also stupid, incidentally. Like, if, if you're going to make the rule for unvaccinated people, I don't know why you would bother making exceptions for visiting players. One way or the other, yeah, just kind of all around a, a bad day, I think, around the league, like in, in terms of messaging, in terms of everything else. I mean, Jason Tatum is vaccinated. Did anybody else say outright that they are, in fact, vaccinated? Smart said he is. I want to say that was it for guys who, like, confirmed that they were. I mean, yeah. Cantor, we know just because of the yeah. Rolling Grant. Stone article. And Grant yeah. is, yeah. And Grant is, yeah. To be clear, a lot of guys weren't asked straight up, are you vaccinated? You know, like Jalen was asked, what do you think about it being a personal decision, basically, or something like that? I mean, there wasn't a lot of direct questioning, unfortunately. You could still say, I chose to get it. Like, again, use that opportunity to explain why you got the vaccine and share that you are vaccinated. I don't know. Either way, this isn't going to be the end of it. This is clearly going to be an ongoing storyline, especially for the Celtics if they can't reach that 100%. I think it's going to be a long year. I think think it's going to be a long year of this crap. Celtics better make a good, good call on that second two-way spot. And I'm I'm dead serious because it could get some use if their roster status stays as is. We always want to shout out our friends at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout and plenty of other delicious products. Check out their beer garden and tasting room down in West Kingston, Rhode Island. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, keep an eye out for their products. If you live in the Boston area, keep an eye out for their products. They make plenty of other delicious beers outside of the Geno Time Stout. Of course, we're just a little bit biased, but shout out to our friends over at Shades On. So a lot of other stuff happened too. COVID vaccine stuff was obviously the dominant storyline, but there were some other interesting notes. So why don't we do some, just kind of some lightning round stuff. One of my, one of my favorite moments from media day was seeing just how Rob Williams was glowing. Like that man was so happy to have his contract extension. Like he looked grateful. You know, he said like, basically, you know, I've never seen anything like this when, you know, when talking about his money that, he, that he's got coming in. I mean, Rob looked very happy, very ready to go, very just enthusiastic. And it was, you know, it was, it was kind of heartwarming to see somebody who was just so excited for the season, excited for the future. Like good for Rob Williams, man. I'm happy for him. And it sounds like it really motivated. It yes. sounds like it really motivated him too. Like I think, I think he mentioned how like he feels the organization is now trusting him. And I think he's going to take that really seriously. Not that he wasn't trying seriously before, but I think it just is another source of motivation for him to want to perform well, to want to stay healthy, to do all like the little things, like starting to act more like an experienced player and not like a young guy per se. He's like, there's a sense of urgency to it that they're trusting him with that situation. And he said, just lock in. That's all I could do. So yeah, it seems like he is motivated. Like Nicole said, it seems like he is motivated, but he just seemed like he was in a really, really good place. He's very happy that Ennis Cantor and Al Horford are back with him in the front court. He's, it seems like Al Horford did quite a bit for him early on, which he's talked about before. He talked about again today. Genuine gratitude is definitely an accurate description of kind of what it what his aura consisted of today. But that was really great to see. And like, it's impossible to not be happy for for him. Yeah, and I, I, Rob talked about how, you know, this this locks him in. Well, like, we'll see what the Celtics try to do this offseason, but, you know, this does kind of lock him in as part of the Celtics core, right? Like, you know, and maybe they shake up that core after the season, we'll see. But right now the Celtics core is, you know, the guys who are on long-term money, the guys who are younger are Jalen, Jason, Smart, and Rob. And that's, you know, that, that's got to feel good for him, you know, as somebody who, who slipped to 27 in the draft.
draft and everything. I mean, it, you know, that was cool to see. Other uh, other takeaways here. Two things about Marcus Smart that I thought were kind of interesting. One, I got to say, the man looks great. And then the other thing, I thought his contract extension might have gotten a little contentious. The The quotes that he gave made it sound like maybe that wasn't always, you know, that the happiest uh, negotiation. Yeah, 100%. He hinted at the fact that it was, you know, everyone knows this is a business and sometimes you don't really know how things are going to go and there's a little confusion and a little uncertainty. And he kind of went on that line for a little bit. He said, you know, but it's all basically, he said, I, this is not the direct quote, but basically like it's behind us now, like we're kind of moving forward and you know, whatever. Yeah, I can, I can give the quote yeah. here. I think when you get into negotiating anything, there are always questions that's part of the business. I think a lot of things get taken out of sight when it comes to the game, that it's a business first. Sometimes you have to do things or say things or not do things and say things that you probably would when it comes to business status. But like I said, we're here. <laughs> I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be with these group of guys. And then it you know, kind of goes on and he's like, it was definitely different, a little uncertain confusion, but I think we're kind of past that now. It was, I, I, I don't know. There was just kind of something about his, uh, you know, talking about auras. And then, you know, early on, he was like, you know, feels like every other season I'm here to do a job. And it was like, that's it? I'm like, all right, man, you know, good to see you too. <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like with Rob's contract extension, he very much wants to bring that energy into this season. Like he wants to, for lack of a better word, extend it into this season as well and keep that momentum going. Whereas with Smart's comments, it seems he very much wants to put that behind him and move on from it and like keep that as like something in the past. So I would agree. And also this wouldn't be the first time where contract negotiations have gotten contentious or been dramatic. With so smart, yeah, yeah. The last one that he signed too, there was a lot of conversation about his value and what he was worth. And he's also always on the trading block. And I wonder whether that's part of it because the Celtics future is uncertain. So yep. I feel like as much as Marcus wants to put, it sounds like those negotiations in the past, I do think this tension is going to continue until the Celtics determine what their plans are this upcoming offseason. I agree. Until they ultimately try to ship him off for Zach Levine. <laughs> Sign and trace. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, man, Bradley Beal's trade value in my book plummeted today. Absolutely plummeted. Value in the gutter. Grunham had a tougher day than everybody else. All right. I we're... did, actually. I was such a big Brad Beal guy. That really bothered me today. I have a takeaway, though. Who knew Al Horford and Dennis Schroeder were such great friends? Yeah. That was next on my list. Yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think everyone sort of thought like, oh, Al's back with like, you know, all his former teammates. Yeah. But he's also back with a former and new teammate, too, because he played with Schroeder in Atlanta. And it sounds like they have a very close relationship. And in fact, I think Al was more excited about playing with Dennis than any of the Celtics. Yeah. He gave He's a calling. long soliloquy about uh, about Schroeder and how, oh man, we got to get that guy. And then Schroeder, when Schroeder was talking, talked about how Jalen, Jason, Al, Ime, and Brad all reached out to him trying to get him to the Celtics. Like the Celtics really wanted Dennis Schroeder. Full pursuit. Not enough to give him the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, but enough to give him a <laughs> $5.9 million. And the wild part is, according to Schroeder, all those calls happened before free agency hit. So it's not like it was at the end where he was sort of making his decision and they were just trying to convince him to come yeah. because the Celtics yeah. had their options. Like, it sounded like that happened, like, early on. And, like, Schroeder was the guy. It wasn't like the Celtics scrambled and they're like, oh, I guess we'll sign Jenna Schroeder because he's available. Like, it sounds like they were pursuing him hard. Schroeder said, you know, I hope this is uh, the start of a long stay here, which was interesting, too. That surprised me because of the deal he's on, but also <laughs> low key. Who's giving you that money? Yeah, I was like, where's that coming from? Taking also, again next year because, like, yeah, they, yeah, they run on. that back. They'll bring you back <laughs> for as long as you want. But Al Horford, Mister Low Key, was 
also explaining how he was calling Brad to see if they actually had a chance at him, yeah. calling Brad to see if it was like locked down. That I thought was pretty cool. He clearly really likes, he said, the edge that Dennis Schroeder brings to a team. It sounds like they had a really good relationship when they were together in Atlanta. The other thing in regards to the Schroeder pursuit that I thought was interesting was Schroeder reached out to Sam Presti to talk yeah. to him about Brad Stevens, to talk to him about Boston. And apparently he got a rave review from Sam Presti, which helped sell him on going to the Celtics. So obviously he played for Presti in OKC, but I thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. Definitely. Like, it really sounds like, like, I feel like when the deal happened, our impressions was like, well... He's sort of out of luck here. The Celtics are sort of out of luck. But it sounds like they both really did their research and they both wanted each other. (laughs) The timing made it seem otherwise, but it all warmed my heart, really. (laughs) There were some good vibes on a day full of bad vibes. There's no question about it. The other Schroeder thing uh, that I thought was kind of funny, obviously there was all the talk about him fumbling the bag all summer. Like that was a big thing. And he got asked about that. He really tried to sell it. And I I respected the attempt. He's like, at the end of the day, I feel like for me personally, I've got to be comfortable in the environment I'm in. I love the Lakers organization and they did great things. But I think for me, and this is just business, I don't fit in 100%. You know, I mean, you play with LeBron and AD, that's two of the best players in the NBA. And I don't think I gave them everything that I could bring to the table. And for me and my family, you know, I signed a pretty good contract my fourth year. My family and myself are going to be good. I'm 28. I'm still, you know, playing in the NBA. I want to be comfortable in a situation where I know people appreciate me. At the end of the day, that's it. And all this stuff, how it happened, you just got to move forward. I was like, I mean, I, I appreciate the sell job. That like, yeah, money isn't everything. Money doesn't buy happiness. All this stuff. And it's like, yeah, dude, but like 84 million. <laughs> like, yeah. So much he, money. Yeah. He did briefly keep it real, though, about free agency. He said, when free agency hit, there were a few days when my agent and me talked a little bit and said, listen, this is not how we thought it's going to yeah. be. <laughs> like, what's happening? Like, go get me my money. So he was real about it at first. But yeah, he really did try to sell it quite well. Imagine being an NBA agent, man. Another thing that I forgot to mention too, Grant, Tom, I think you commented on a pod earlier in the offseason that Grant looked pretty good, like he looked skinny. And he said he's already lost 15 pounds. And he's going to try to lose eight to 10 pounds during the season too. I thought that was interesting. The other lighthearted thing on that was close personal pal, John Corrales, asked Rob William a question. And when I, when I say that Rob glowed, that was the moment that he really glowed because Corrales asked him, Hey, you look a little bit bigger. You look like you got stronger. You put on some muscle. And Rob was, he didn't say this, but the, like, it was just like, you noticed, like he was so happy. He's like, yeah. he did this. Like he did, like he put his arms up. Like, like he's like, yeah, they got Andre Drummond over there in Philadelphia. I got to put some meat on my bones. <laughs> for Andre Drummond? Damn. What about Joel Embiid? We picked Rob for best quote and he has lived up to his. Oh, man. Yeah. Potential superlative from just media day. That oh was amazing. Rob, what about Joel Embiid? I'm not, I don't want to guard him. No, no. I'll take, I'll take Trump. <laughs> Rob wants Al to play the five. So he can yeah, no, that's Al's job. He's the vet. It is funny, though, about Rob, because remember Summer League 2019? He came in being like, yeah, I've lost weight. I've lost huh. pounds. I'm leaner now. So I think he's still trying to figure out his body. Yeah, I feel like that offseason, I remember I did a story with him on him losing the weight and he was biking up hills every day and eating fruits and vegetables for the first time in his career. So I feel like he's still sort of navigating that aspect of it. Like we see with Tatum and him bulking up, I think Rob's trying to ID, okay, like what's the best body type for my game and how can I best like leverage that? And same with Grant too, because Grant was explaining how he's now losing the weight that he gained his rookie year that he had to put on because he was going to play center. So he put on the weight because he was going to be a small ball five. And then he has asked to play a little bit of wing last year and he still had the center weight on. So now he's trying to lose that center weight. So it's kind of same idea. 
just trying to figure out the best possible, I don't know, archetype to sort of stay at. And I think the fact that Grant is losing the weight must be the result of some messaging that, hey, you need to be a little bit more nimble on the wing here. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. A couple more quick ones here before we before we go. Brad noted uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez's cutting ability twice when talking about using him with Jalen and Jason. I didn't think that Wancho would probably be used that much, but like he made a very specific point of being like, Wancho's going to cut. And I was like, is Wancho going to play? But it did kind of sound like he might. So sure. <laughs> How many cuts, Brad? Because is he going to get on the court? <laughs> yeah, right. Like <laughs> he did really emphasize game, Wancho Hernan Gomez, but he really emphasized it. He no, said it twice. He, it was kind of weird. <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. Other stuff. Like we we're obviously, you know, pretty harsh on Josh Richardson because of his vaccine comments. Other than that, he seemed really engaging. I, I think he'd be really fun to cover. I don't know. The, like the answers he gave just kind of, he was very thoughtful. Like he seemed like an engaging dude. So, you know, it's kind of disappointing to like, not to hammer that again, but I mean, you know, he was, he was interesting. He was kind of funny. I mean, he, he seemed like an engaging dude, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You're right. I kind of today had trouble getting past some barriers in my brain, but he does seem like an engaging guy. He described himself as like a glue guy and yeah. someone who can kind of morph into whatever the team needs i think he's gonna play that glue guy in this lineup so that would actually work pretty well for this team he knows exactly what the celtics need from him you know we'll see he if really he can does. do it or not he even kind of jokes about it he's like yeah i've had some shooting slumps hopefully if i can shoot well all year i'll be really good <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, dude, that's right <laughs> but no another one that i had was just the reminder that jalen brown is recovering from an injury still like yeah. it is still a pretty significant injury and he said like i'm feeling good but some days are better than others like he's still dealing with swelling and things like that like the healing process is still ongoing obviously he's toward the tail end of it but I don't think he's 100% per se and I think it might take him like a little bit to just get into a groove yeah he said yeah like you said the, there's lingering effects there's lingering swelling all of that definitely very noteworthy um the Chris Johnson clip though from the three-on-three runs he did look pretty comfortable was using his left hand quite a bit and granted three-on-three half-court runs but still he didn't look to be hindered by it all that much who knows what the next morning looked like after playing definitely Another Jalen takeaway I had was just how on board he seems to be with Ime Udoka. It is kind of hard to not compare quotes about Ime immediately to be like, well, how does he feel about Brad? Or how did he feel about Brad? But like this quote caught my eye when he was like, he has my full attention, my full respect. I'm completely bought in. That just made me think like, okay, maybe like the rumors about Brad sort of losing his hold on the locker room were a little bit true. I don't think it was maybe to the extent of like a catastrophe, but I do think like the coaching change was necessary. For sure. And I think, you know, I think the Celtics really like Brad's basketball mind, which I suspect is why they wanted to keep him in the organization. But I also think that it's very fair to wonder, like, I mean, yeah, maybe it just was time for him to be somewhere else. I mean, literally, Jalen mentioned Brad and Ime, and like, and this, like he compared them himself. Like, you know, somebody asked him, like, you know, are you on board with hard coaching? Because that's what you know, Ime said he was gonna he was gonna bring, and Jalen was like, hard coaching. Yeah, I mean, you know, that takes like different, uh, you know, kind of like a, a different aspect with every coach. With Brad. Hard coaching isn't really hard coaching. That's not his style. But Ime, yeah, I'm open to it. You know, it's like Jalen is like outright doing the comparing himself. Getting coached hard from Brad is not really getting coached hard. Yeah. Was the quote. But the thing oh, is, no. is that's not to say that that coaching style is not effective. And I think that's exactly. what Jalen was saying as well. Yeah. But I think exactly. he's looking forward to getting coached hard because it, that coaching style can also be effective and maybe resonate more with certain players or with the team at whatever point or junction they're at. I think there are a lot of different ways to lose the locker room too. Like does like, like respecting him, liking him, 
but also maybe thinking that he's not the right coach for this team. I think those two things, they don't like reject each other necessarily. I I think it's possible to like and respect somebody and still be like, and just don't know if what you're doing here is working, man. Like, I think that's kind of a normal professional dynamic. If you're with someone long enough. Speaking of comparing Ime Udoka and Brad Stevens, one thing that Ime said that really stuck out to me, he mentioned that if you took away the Celtics initial action, you were able to then defend one-on-one. And it was like, yes, Ime. We also noticed that. <laughs> it was bad. Wow. Brad catching strays here. <laughs> Poor Brad. Just the Celtics just. Yeah. We also noticed that, Ime. Want to come go through box scores with Gino time? <laughs> we got to get Ime on the pod and we will sit down and watch every minute of Celtics versus Hawks. <laughs> Something tells me he would like that. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then he also mentioned that lineup tinkering is going to happen, but he wants punch off the bench. I thought that was interesting. I, I mean, obviously, like, obviously, yes, of course he wants, he's going to tinker with the lineups. And of course he's going to want punch off the bench. Like that's like a no brainer, but it is interesting to wonder like, okay, where does he want the punch coming from? Like, you know, and, and how is that going to kind of manifest itself? Like, does he want to have punch off the bench in that he can have Al Horford coming off the bench and being kind of this glue guy who can make everything work and who can defend and, you know, space the floor or Dennis Schroeder or Josh Richardson. I mean, there, there's a lot of different options. And that's one of the, the nice things that Brad Stevens did for Ime Udoka. So maybe Ime should stop uh, <laughs> should stop these drive-bys. But uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do think that like that's one of the nice things that, that Brad did for him was he gave him these options to have punch off the bench, to tinker with lineups, to maybe look have different looks in the starting lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out over the course of the preseason and especially you know over the first couple of weeks of the actual season. They both emphasized the versatility numerous times. I'm fascinated to see what they ultimately do it's going to be cool to see them move around the lineups during the preseason and see how they kind of toy with it I think a lot of it's going to be matchup based because it just makes sense when you have that much versatility but you are going to want some continuity so it can't all be matchup based curious to see what they do but it's a it's an obvious strength and they both clearly think that that's the case all right guys unless anybody else has some takeaways I think we'll call it there we'll definitely hit more media day stuff more training camp stuff we'll have close friend of the pod Brian Robb on soon in the next couple of days here we appreciate everybody who listens we appreciate everybody who's left us a five-star rating or a review and we appreciate everybody who has gotten their vaccine and we definitely encourage you to do it so as always you guys know where to find us if you have any questions comments or concerns and we will talk to you all again later this week